So if you've uh, been here at New Hope for even the last few weeks, you know that we are in the midst of our 21 days of prayer and fasting and consecration to the Lord. It's something we do every year at the beginning of the year. We, uh, we want to lay a foundation for the year, and we believe 2016 is really important. So we, uh, we take this time to, to pray and seek the Lord and just consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart so that we can be with God. And we're actually one week in right now, and it, it's, it's so powerful when we fast. If you were here last week, Pastor Bowen shared a message about the, uh, uh, why we fast, the, the importance of it, and, and what the significance of it is. And one thing he shared was that we as people, we are actually a, a three-part being. And a lot of you know this, but I just want to reiterate to kind of uh, set everything up that, that we are a spirit and that we have a soul and we live in a body. And it's very important that we understand that because when we do, we understand that there's three parts to us. It's not just the one part, it's, there's three of us. And we live in this world, and so it's very easy for us to get, get sidetracked and get, out of, get our priorities out of whack. And fasting is so good to help us come back and, and realign our lives because the spirit man in us should always be the top priority. It should be first. It should be the one that leads us and guides us making our decisions. And then, but, the, but too oftentimes the soul, which is our emotions and our body de- decide where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do. And uh, it's important that we take that time to fast because what fasting does, Chris Hodges said one time that fasting, it helps us to disconnect from the world and connect to God. And that's the simplest way to put it. And it's so, uh, it was, it's, it's revolutionary to think like that, that, that we need to disconnect from the world. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It just means that we live in this world and the world is always pining for our time, amen? And so it's important that we take time to disconnect from that world so that we can get our, li- our, our, our three-part being back in alignment and get in alignment with God and see his heart for us, especially at the beginning of the year. It's a great time to do it. Now, however, if you are fasting with us, and I pray all of you are in some form or fashion, but especially if you're doing a total fast where you're taking nothing but, but water or, uh, or juice or whatever that might be, uh, there are some symptoms that come along with fasting that are, that are very prevalent and not really always that uh, appealing. Uh, in fact, the, the whole nature of fasting is that we would deny ourselves something. Anytime you deny your flesh something, your flesh doesn't like it. Amen? And so your flesh is going to not be real happy about it. And so I've entitled this message today, The Struggle is Real. Because the struggle is very real. Uh, those that are laughing the hardest right now are probably doing a complete fast. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to somebody this morning that's, you know, I know they're doing a complete fast. And they, yesterday they could hardly get out of bed. They're, so, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're understanding the struggle. Um, but I, I, and the three symptoms that I want to mention to you today, I felt like the Lord gave me three symptoms that, that we deal with when we're fasting that have a direct spiritual correlation to it that I think is very prevalent and relevant and timely for today. So I wanna share those today, the three symptoms of fasting that we experience when we fast. And the first one is hunger, obviously, right? The second one is weight loss. And the third one is weakness. And I'm gonna talk about all three of these uh, individually. The the first one being hunger, I'm gonna jump right in. So for those of us, obviously, if we live in Western society, most of us never experience true hunger unless we're fasting. You know, most of us don't worry about where we're going to get our next meal. Uh, in fact, I find myself, I was so glad and ready to fast during this season because I found myself almost just eating because it was that time of day. You know, like, oh, it's six o'clock. I got to have dinner. I'm not even hungry. Well, it doesn't matter. It's dinner time. I'm going to eat. And, uh, and the only time that we really experience that, that true hunger is when we fast. And, and 
honestly, when you fast, you, you start to feel it fairly quickly. Amen? Your stomach starts to growl, and it's, it feels like it's actually eating itself sometimes, which is, sounds really gross, but that's, that's sometimes how it feels. But, you know, the Bible talks a lot about us hungering for God and, coming, and going after God and, and even about Jesus being the bread of life. And so I want to share a verse with you about hungering for God and about Jesus or about uh, what Jesus said, excuse me, in, in uh, the Beatitudes and the sermon that he preached on the mount in Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's such a powerful verse. But I got to admit to you that for years when I read that verse, I would read it and I would think, yes, that's what I want. I want to hunger after you, God. But if I was honest with myself, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Because I don't know how you make yourself hungry. I can't make myself The only way I can make myself hungry in the natural is to deny myself food. Or to go for a period of time without food. And I know the word of God is not telling me that I need to deny myself God for a while so that I'm more hungry for him. That's, a, that's counterproductive. That is absolutely not. You don't ever need a second of your day without Jesus. Amen. And so that's obviously what he wasn't talking about. And so it, it took me a while to figure this out because, um, because I wanted to hunger after God. I wanted to thirst after God, thirst after righteousness. But I was never able to... Uh, to figure that out because of that. And, and I even think about like, there's times when, when you've wanted to be hungry and you weren't, like even in the natural, like I think about Thanksgiving day, you know, you wanna be hungry at Thanksgiving so badly. And uh, you know, by three o'clock in the afternoon and you've already had seven meals, but you're determined you're gonna get another one in because there's still leftover turkey and it looks so good. And so you force yourself or for a lot of us, we just say, you know what, I'm done. Uh, I know some of the men in the house, you know, they, they eat through the pain and uh, I applaud you for that. Um, actually, I don't. There's nowhere in the, we don't we don't promote gluttony around here. Amen. Uh, but we all know what that's like to like want to eat but you can't because you're not hungry. And I've been I, I've said to myself, God, how do I do that? How do I make myself hungry? And a couple of years ago, I felt like God kind of gave me a revelation about this verse that it's not about like you you can't look at it like necessarily like physical hunger and and hungering for God, but it's more about your passion and what you're passionate about. And we can absolutely set ourselves up to get passion for God. And it's about being intentional for him. It's all about our intentionality, church. That is how we hunger and thirst for God, is, is being intentional. Because we have to put ourselves in a place and set ourselves up for him to pour his life into us. For, him, for us to thirst and, and hunger for him, it's about setting ourselves up. And for so many of us, we don't give ourselves that opportunity. You know, if, you, if you're consumed with work and, and getting ahead and climbing the, the corporate ladder and then you come home at night and you've got all kinds of hobbies you do or you spend four hours a night watching TV every single night, but then you read that verse, you say, oh, yeah, God, that's what I want. I want a hunger and thirst after you. And God's saying, you, you're not even putting yourself in a place to be able to hunger and thirst after me because you're not even giving me any of your time or attention. And so what this verse is telling me is that when we're hungry, we need to set ourselves up. We need to, we need to not let our hunger drive us but we direct our hunger to where we want it to go. And we can absolutely do that. And I want to share a couple of people in the Bible where we see where one, a couple failed and a couple succeeded. And uh, the first one is Esau. So if you look at the life of Esau, he was, the, he was Jacob's twin brother. Jacob was, is one of the patriarchs of the, the children of Israel. And they were born, they were twins, but Esau was born first. Only by a couple seconds, but he was first. And back then, the, the rights of the firstborn was a big deal. He had the rights of the firstborn, which meant 
he got a double portion of everything else everybody, or of everything that everybody else got. And it was a very coveted thing to be, the, especially the firstborn son. And so he had this right. But then we see in the Bible, there's one day that he was out hunting in the fields and he must've stayed out too long. I don't know why, but when he came in from hunting, he was, the Bible says he was famished. He was really, really hungry. And Jacob, who positioned himself consequently for, for a lot of things in his life, he was making a bowl of stew. And Esau came in and said, give me some of that stew. And Jacob said, give me your birthright. And Esau says, what good is my birthright to me if I'm dead? Which was a huge exaggeration. I don't believe for a second he was anywhere near death. He was just really hungry. He was being driven by his stomach. And so what, we know what he did. He gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew. He, he, he disqualified himself from the plan that God would have had for his life for, to meet an immediate need. For instant gratification. He was so consumed with instant gratification that he was willing to disqualify himself from what, God would have, what he would have got down the road if he would have been patient. And church, that, that hits home for me, and I'm sure that hits home for all of us, that we have to be so intentional that we don't allow the immediate the, 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 the needs, the gratifications that are right in front of us, that we don't allow those things to consume all of our passion, to consume all of our energy, to consume all of our time, but to be willing and able to say, in spite of my hunger for that thing, I'm not going to let my hunger drive me to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to master my hunger, and I'm going to force it to drive me to God. And I'm going to force it to, to put me in a place to where I can't make myself hungry for God, but I can do things like getting alone with God, reading the word, praying, spending time with him, and focusing my life on him to where when I start to pour into that, when I start to invest into that, then my heart will be there too, and my passions will start to grow for God. And that's how we make ourselves hungry for God. Amen. Amen. And we can do that, but we have to be able and willing to deny the flesh's immediate needs. And that's hard to do because there's always, and you know, I'm not even saying all these, these immediate needs are sins. Eating a bowl of stew wasn't a sin, but it sure ruined Esau's life. It's not always sin. You know, we all, we all work. Most of us work. We have jobs. You have to go to your job. If you tell your boss, you know, I'm not going to come to work today. I'm going to focus on Jesus. He's probably going to say, well, you go ahead and keep focusing on Jesus. Don't worry about coming back. You know, we have to go to our job, but it's all about where your focus is. You know, I can go to job. I can work my job for Jesus. Even if I'm, you know, a trash man, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I can, I can work for Jesus. The Bible tells me that do all things under Christ. And so it's not about necessarily what all your time is spent doing, but it's where your focus is and what you're setting yourself up for. And I'm going to purpose to set myself up to where I'm in that place where I'm going to receive that. I'm going to have that passion for Jesus. Passion for Jesus isn't something that just you pray one day and God just says, oh, okay, you want my passion? I'm going to give it to you. It doesn't work that way. Anybody that's been a Christian for a long time and is seasoned will tell you that as we, as we continue to pursue the Lord in our life, our passion for him grows. You know, when you first get saved, you have that, that, that honeymoon phase of, with God where everything's just wonderful and you just think you're just going to be on a mountaintop the rest of your life. And then you realize later that's not going to happen. And so what grows your passion for him in those times is when we continue to focus on him and continue to pursue him in our life. And then our passion for him continues to grow. And the older you get, the longer you've been doing it, the more passionate you get for Jesus. And the more, willing you're, the more you are willing to suffer for him because that's what you care about. So it's so important that we as believers let that hunger, and I'm not talking about the, the, the stomach hunger that you may be feeling today. I'm talking about that, that passion in you, that, that, that hunger for whatever it is in your life. Let that hunger, don't let it drive you, but you drive it and be intentional. 
And being intentional is, is such a key in this because if you think you could just kind of go along your life and, and uh, hope that one day something changes, well, then you're, you're deceiving yourself. You know, Einstein gets credit for saying that insanity is doing the same thing over and over every day and expecting different results. And, but there's a lot of truth to that, that we can't expect to get different results if we just kind of keep doing our thing, same thing and expect God to just all of a sudden dump all of his, his passion and love down on us one day. It doesn't work like that. So be intentional. Amen? So the, the second one is weight loss. Now, has anyone in here ever gone into a, a food fast, more concerned, if you're honest with yourself, hoping more for weight loss than you are even about spiritual gain? Anybody? No, yeah, me neither. We're church people. Let's tell the truth. I've done it. I'll be honest with you. Hey, Amen, I've done it. And I was, you know, I felt bad. And I, in fact, I probably didn't make it through the fast because my motives aren't good. Eventually, I'm like, I don't care if I'm fat. I'm hungry. <laughs> Amen. So, but, but there is a weight loss that comes with fasting sometimes, especially if you're doing a complete fast. But there's another kind of weight loss that, that God's trying to help us with and, and directs us with if we look at his word. And it's in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. A lot, most of you know this verse. It's probably one of your favorites. It's everybody's favorite because it's, it's so great. It says, Paul is saying, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, there's the word weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, this is, this is so good, the joy that was set before him, that was you and me, was his joy. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. But what Paul is telling us here is to lay aside these weights that hold us down and the sin that so easily entangles. And I, I like what the NIV says better. It actually says that we are to throw off those weights that hold us down. And I like that better because I don't want to have this this picture in my mind of just taking these weights and kind of sitting them aside and going and doing my thing, but that they might be there when I get back in case it doesn't work out the way I think it should. But the NIV says to throw it off. That, that to me, that's like walk to the edge of a cliff and chuck it as hard as you can chuck it and get rid of it because there's, there, there, we don't want anything in our life holding us back from running the race that God has for us. Amen? And it's important to note here that, that he mentions weight and sin. So weights, weights that hinder us and hold us back are not necessarily sins. It's the same thing that I mentioned a minute ago. Not everything in our life that's holding us back or, or di distracting us is necessarily a sin. It's not all either sin or, or good. There's some things in our life that they're just hindrances for us. And a, a great example I think of is television. I mean, entertainment. You know, I, I'm as guilty as the next person. When I come home and it's been a long day, I look for the clicker. You know, I mean, that's my default sometimes. I, I try my best not to, but if, if I'm doing what, exactly what I want to do, I'm going to walk home, I'm just going to watch TV, and I can sit there all night sometimes and waste the whole night and think, my goodness, I didn't even, I did nothing. And, uh, you know, TV's not a sin. It's not a sin to watch TV, but it can sure be a hindrance to you running your race. Amen. It can absolutely get in the way. And I don't want anything holding me back. I want to throw off those weights. I want to run from those weights and those, that sin that so easily ensnares us. And, it's, it's, and this is the whole thing about us fasting right now is that those things just continue to creep back in our life. 
You know, like you could say today, like, ah, I'm not watching TV for three weeks. That's your fast that you're doing during this time. Some of you are probably doing that. Off of social media, I'm off TV. I'm not going to do it for three weeks. Great. I think that's wonderful. But if we're not careful, then once we end the fast, then we go right back to where we were. You know, the idea of the fast is to, is to recognize that, ooh, these things are hindering me. They're holding me back in my, in my race. And I don't want it to hold me back. And, but then you also have the, the very blatant things, the, the sin that he's talking about. And you know, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Church, every one of you knows what the sin that so easily ensnares you is. I don't know what yours is. You don't know what mine is. But I know what mine is. I know it as sure as I'm standing here. And those are the things that Paul said, we have to be intentional about this too, that we run from these sins that easily ensnare us. You know, if you're a recovering alcoholic, don't ever go into a bar. It doesn't make any sense. You would never go there. You know? And if, it, if you have certain struggles, you stay away from those things that would enhance those struggles or cause you to fall into temptation. And we need to be so careful that we're mindful of this, that we don't let these little sins become embedded in the fabric of who we are. Because it's too easy for that to happen for us. It's too easy for us to just kind of, just, just almost get used to it and not really even mess with it anymore. It's like, yeah, you know what, that's just my, that's my vice and I'm just going to, it just is what it is. And if the Lord wants to say, heal me from it or deliver me from it, he's going to have to do it. But you kind of almost give up and you almost let those things become part of who you are. And you don't even realize that it's slowly killing you. Uh, I told this story this morning. A lot of you know uh, Robin West, uh, her and her husband, their family have been part of our church for a long time and they come to early service and she was here today, but about a week ago, she was, she was in a lot of trouble. She had a, uh, they were down at Disney World and she, uh, they had to take her to the hospital because her, her chest was hurting so bad. And after a couple of days, they finally realized that she had, she had 90% blockage in like three or four arteries and uh, it was pretty rough. And in fact, they wouldn't even let her travel. She had to go to a hospital there and uh, they did a procedure where they put stints in. I think they put three stints in her. And uh, it was remarkable because when she got out of surgery, having this procedure done, one of the first things she said was, she said, I can breathe. She said, I didn't even realize how labored my breathing was until I can breathe. And I, when, I mean, the minute I heard that, I thought, oh, that is, that'll, that'll preach. Yeah. Amen. We allow these things in our life. I mean, she didn't, she didn't go from being 0% blockage to 90% in a day. It doesn't happen like that in our spiritual life either. We don't typically go from like walking with the Lord and the next day you're totally off the reservation doing God knows what. It doesn't work that way. It's a series of decisions we make that get us to that place in our life. And eventually you just get to where you just kind of accept it and it becomes part of who you are. But I praise God that there are spiritual stints. And then when we, get that, when we get freedom from something like that, a lot of times we don't even realize how bad it was until we can start to walk in freedom. And we realize, oh my gosh, I was dying and I didn't even know it. But now praise God, I'm free. And I'm living for him and he set me free and the sin that was in my life is gone. Amen. Amen. And we can walk in that. And it's exciting. And uh, I just wanted to mention in, in this verse, towards the end of the verse, it talks about running the race with perseverance or with patience or endurance. Uh, where it talks about perseverance there, it's, that is not just a perseverance of like, oh, you know, I'm just persevering. I'm just trying to get through the day, trying to get to where I can make it to the next day and kind of hanging your head and, and uh, just having this ho-hum attitude towards life. That word in there is, is what it's, where, the way it was translated, it is a very aggressive Thing. It is, it is a, it's about mastering the, the issues in your life and going at them and being aggressive and, and being uh, progressive and being intentional about the things in your life. 
I'm finding a theme in what I'm seeing here. I'm saying intentional a lot because I believe that that's something that for us as believers, like I think the church in some ways is a sleeping giant because we're just not intentional. We're just kind of, we kind of wait and hope that God does something, but we don't set ourselves up for his success, for his blessing, for him to pour out his power on us in our lives. Amen. And so this perseverance is, is all about, it's a very proactive word. And you know, the race in this, in this verse is, is compared to or relates to uh, struggles or conflicts in our life. So what, what this verse is saying is that we are to run at these conflicts or, or struggles in our life aggressively and intentionally and come after them and, and look for God's victory in it. And to be aggressively throwing things off of us that are getting in the way and throwing the sins off of us and dealing with our heart. And I can tell you for me, like this week, fasting this week, I have been like... Pastor Bowen said it this week one time. He said, you know, when, when, you, when you fast or when you really start drawing close to God, he starts shining the light on your life and on your heart. And you start seeing things that you don't really like. And I've even seen that in my life this week. I've seen his light has been shined on me and I, I love getting closer to him. But then there's part of me that's like, oh, I forgot. I didn't realize I had that. But I'm so thankful for it. Because anytime God shines a light on something in us, it's not to expose us, it's not to humiliate us, it's not to beat us down, it's not to condemn us, it's to set us free. It's to give us forgiveness and freedom so we don't have to walk like that anymore. And I get excited about it. So, so everybody in here is going to lose weight this week, amen? Amen. Okay, so the third word is weakness. Now, I know if you've ever fasted completely or if you are fasting now, you definitely know what I'm talking about when I say weakness. That is something that comes from fasting. I know there have been times for me that, uh, that I've fasted and I've been, you know, if just walking up the stairs, by the time I get to the top of the stairs, I'm like, Whew. you take a break. I feel like an 80 year old smoker, you know? And uh, I mean, there have been times it's just so weak, it's like it's hard to hold a remote, you know? But don't worry, I manage. I manage. I, I fight through it. I put a pillow under my arm if I have to and make sure I can point that thing at the TV. So, uh, but it, it's, it's so common to have weakness when we fast. But, you know, the Bible talks a lot about weakness too. And the weakness that God wants from us is, is such an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, Christianity, your Christian life, if you are Christian and you live for Jesus, you know that that's the only area of life in any, any life where weakness is celebrated. Because weakness is typically not celebrated. Weakness is looked down upon. We don't want to be, nobody wants to be weak. But the thing about the weakness that God talks about is that he's not talking about a weakness where we're walking around like a bunch of wusses. He's not talking about the weakness even that comes from fasting where you're just struggling to pick one foot up. You know, sometimes your shoes feel like they weigh 30 pounds each. That's not the weakness he's talking about in here. So, and I want to read a verse that's going to prove me right. It says uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 10. Now, let me, let me preface before I read this. Sorry, I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is Paul. This is when he's talking about how he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. The Bible doesn't say. If we needed to know, the Bible would have said. Amen? So we don't know what it was, but we do know that Paul said he begged the Lord three times to take it from him. Three times. said, God, please take this from me. I don't know about you guys, but that encourages me that somebody as mighty as Paul was kind of begging God to take something from him. Um, so it doesn't make me feel so bad when I beg him for stuff. But uh, God said, or he asked God to take this from him three times. So this is how God responded in verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses 
so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now this is, this is such a powerful verse because this is, this is Paul saying, God is telling him here, like, I don't want you just to be weak for weakness sake. That's not what this is about. God doesn't want a bunch of people, Christians walking around with their head down and just being weak. What he's saying to Paul here is that I want you to be weak because in your weakness, my power is made perfect. So what do you, the reason he wants us to be weak, it, it, and you could translate that word weakness, you could even it, take it a little further to be, it's not as much about weakness as it is about emptiness. Like you're emptying yourself of yourself. You're not trying to do things in your own power. You're, you're surrendering yourself to God and to whatever his plan is for your life. You're completely laying down your own agenda. You're, you're laying down your agenda. You're saying, God, I have no agenda. I just want what you want from me. And you're not, you're not, you're not letting your will control you. And God says that as we will allow ourselves to be weak, as we will empty ourselves, then God says, then I will come in and I will be your strength. So the end product is still strength and power, but it doesn't come from ourselves, it comes from him. And see, when he does that, he's telling us, uh, let me look here real quick. He's telling us that uh, um, if we will empty ourselves, because if, if we don't empty ourselves and we try to do things in our own strength, we limit God's power in our life, Okay. And I'm telling you, that is the truth because I've experienced it personally myself. If you do things in your own strength, even, even trying to be a good Christian, if you do it in your own strength, you will fail. You will fail time after time after time after time. And you will get discouraged. And I've seen it happen to Christians over and over again that get discouraged and they finally just give up because they're like, I can't do this Christian life because I can't figure out how to do it because I keep messing up. And maybe you're there. Maybe you've done that where you said, you know, I've tried for so long. I try all the time to be a good Christian person. And, and I just have these things that I just are always drawing me away. And the harder I try, the worse I do. And I've heard people say, I can't do what God wants me to do with my life. And my answer to that is, well, of course you can't. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to rely on God's strength for your life to be able to do what he has called you to do when it comes to even living for him. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna just share a quick story. I was, um, I, I've told you guys a number of times that I spent a year in, in West Africa when I was still single. And uh, while I was there, God, he, he gave me a revelation of his grace that, uh, that changed my life forever. Uh, I had grown up in a church, it was a Christian church, but it was very traditional, very rules oriented. A lot of you probably know what I mean. It was, it was more about uh, having a list of like, these are the things we do and these are the things we don't do. And you do your best to not do those. You do your best to do those. And you come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you don't cuss and you try to be good and you try to watch Christian TV every opportunity you get. And uh, that was basically the Christian life for me. That was what I knew to be a Christian. That's what you did. And so I worked my whole life because I did love God, but I worked my whole young life trying so hard to be a good Christian. And I would find myself just constantly in condemnation because I would constantly fall. And uh, when I... And I, I, did, I got radically, or I got saved uh, in my late teens and, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was excited about God, but there was still that aspect of my life where I kept trying to be the best Christian I could be. Like I was trying to prove to Jesus how much I loved him. And when I was in Africa, I, I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time by myself. I read a lot of books, read the word a lot, and I, I, I prayed a lot. I just, I really had a good 
I had plenty of time to be alone with God. And he was just doing a lot in my life during that time. So I was really, really focused on him. And, and I remember one day in my room, I was reading uh, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. And if, if you've never read that book and you need a revelation of grace, uh, I cannot in, endorse it highly enough. And I was reading this book and I remember reading this one line and it said, you will never be a good Christian. So stop trying. And I know it's a very simple statement, but it was like a Mack truck hit me in the forehead because it was like you read my mail. It was like he knew, like I've, that's what I've been trying to do my whole life is trying to be a good Christian. And, and through reading more of the book, I started getting this revelation of God's love for me and his, his grace for me. And that it's, it's not about me doing my best and trying my best to be a good Christian, but it's about me dying to myself. It's about me relinquishing my rights and coming without an agenda and coming and, and saying, I'm not going to do this in my own strength. I'm going to trust you to live through me. And as I emptied myself of me, an amazing thing happened. God filled me up and I was stronger than I was before, but I wasn't having to work near as hard as I did before. And it was such a powerful time. And I will never forget, like, uh, it, this was like a, a three-day stretch where God did this stuff to me. And I can't even remember the whole timeline. But on, on, I think the second day, in the mornings we'd wake up. We had a team of us. There was about eight of us. We'd get together every morning. We'd pray about the day, pray for any needs that anybody had. And, and uh, we went around the room. And one of the, girls, the women on our team, uh, she would get these sinus headaches. You know, and she came in that morning. I could tell right away she had one. You could just see it on her face. And sure enough, we asked any prayer request. She said, yeah, would you guys pray for me? My head's killing me and it's frustrating. And, and uh, I felt bad for her. And I mean, the minute she said it, I jumped up because I was like, I was buzzing. I jumped up. I walked over to her and I said the most spiritual prayer that's ever been prayed in the history of the world. I put my hand on her forehead and I said, dear Jesus, please heal Jackie's head. Amen. Now, I got to tell you, for me, that was miraculous in itself that that's all I did because my thing was like, well, we got to prove God to God that you need healed. So we got to tell him every scripture we know while we're praying for you. You know, that's all I said. And she immediately, her head jerked up and she looked up at me with this huge smile on her face and she said, it's gone. And I looked back at her and I said, I know. <laughs> I knew it. I, there was no doubt in my mind. I've told this before. I've said, if she, it didn't matter what she'd had, I'd have prayed for her. I know I would have went in there. If she had cancer, I'd have ripped it right out of her body. That's just how I, like God, I just felt this power that came from God because it was the first time that I ever said, okay, God, I'm not gonna do it in my own strength. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna be weak so that you can be strong in me. And he did an amazing work. Amen. But church, that's what he gives each and every one of us. That's, that's, that's not specific for me. It's not. And if I'm brutally honest with you guys and being real, that was 16 years ago. I've gone through seasons where I've gone right back into that, like trying to figure out how much I can tell Jesus, show Jesus I love him. And I get back into that mindset, but I realign myself and I realize, okay, hold on. I'm getting back into this junk that I used to be in because those things, those old habits don't die easy, right? They keep coming back. There's a reason Jesus said we have to crucify our flesh or pick up our cross daily. If it was a one-time thing, I'd be golden. I wish it were, God help us. But the flesh doesn't quit that easy. It never gives up. It ain't gonna give up till we die. Praise God, one day though, we'll be with him face to face. The flesh will be history and it'll be a glorious, glorious time for us. But uh, I just wanna kind of close by, by sharing 
the beginning of this verse, it, it says, the first thing God says to Paul when he asks him to take this, this thorn from his flesh, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, before I had an understanding of grace, I thought that that meant God was basically telling Paul, listen, you need to suck it up. That's what I thought. And I'm sure some of you thought that too. Like God is basically saying, no, I ain't healing you. Well, I've done, I've done lots for you. You need, I want you to be hobbled or whatever this, this thorn is. I want it to stay there because I want people to see it because I want you to have to suffer through it. And that's not the heart of God, but you know, basically like suck it up. I'm not gonna take it from you. I thought that for years and years. But when I got this revelation of grace, I realized what he was really saying there is that, that his power is going to be made perfect in his weakness. That, his, that God's grace is not just, the grace of God is not just to save us from, from hell. Amen? The grace of God is to give us power. Grace, grace isn't a license for us to do whatever we want to do and just, just assume that, oh, God's just going to forgive us and everything's great. If we understand grace and what it really is, it's power. It's power in us to live for him. It frees us from sin, not to sin. Right? And for him to say that my grace is sufficient is, is almost humorous to me once I understand grace because the word sufficient kind of has a, uh, the connotation is kind of like, meh, it's sufficient, you know? How are your accommodations? Were they sufficient? Sure, you know? Like, it's just enough. Like, not too much, but not, not, not enough. And to say that gr- his grace is sufficient, that's like the biggest egregious understatement in the history of words. It's like saying that the ocean has, an, has sufficient room for a minnow to swim, I mean, it's so ridiculous. I mean, God said this. It's not ridiculous. Forgive me, God. You're definitely not ridiculous. I'm ridiculous, right? Uh, but, but looking at it just in raw words, it, it's like, it's sufficient. It's so, so much more than sufficient. It's everything. It's all sufficient. It's, it's what we need to get through this life. And we, during this time of fasting, we talk about weakness. Like I'm, when my body feels weak, I just, I can't help but think, you know, Lord, this is what you want. You want me to empty me of myself. You don't want physical weakness, but you want, you want my emotional, you want my mental state to be that I'm nothing. I am nothing. And I, and I took a stand that day in my room in Africa and I said, I will not try to be a good Christian ever again. I will not do it. I won't do it. And I notice that scares some of you and you think, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? You go and just do whatever you want? Absolutely not. What it says is, I'm not going to try, but I'm going to allow you to live in me and empower me because I'm going to empty myself of me so that there isn't any of me left. You know, John the Baptist said that I must decrease so that he can increase. That's what he's talking about. The more, the less of us there is, the more God gets the glory, the more he's going to pour into us. Amen. But I know you've heard this said before, but God, he's a gentleman. Like he doesn't, he doesn't overcome our will. I mean, you've seen it happen like in, in very, very rare circumstances where it's almost like God overcame somebody's will to do something for them, to change their heart. But for the most part, especially as believers, if we continue to try to do things in our strength and do things the way we want to do them, we serve God the way we think we could do it and with, with all of our passion and all of our drive and our personal strength, he is going to stay back and allow us to do that. That's why he tells Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. But if you're strong, I can't be strong in you. There's not room for both of us in there. So either you got to leave and let me in, or I'm just going to leave you alone and let you do it. 
And, and it's so important that it's, it's, it's hard for us to understand that sometimes that we, have to, that we would come and say, God, I want to be weak so that you can be strong. But we can trust him to know that when we do that, that he's not going to leave us empty. He's not going to leave us like we empty ourselves of us. He's not going to say, ah, I don't feel like doing it today. I want to just leave you alone. Good luck trying to get through the day. That's not who he is. He's saying, my power is made perfect in your weakness. It is, not maybe, not hopefully, not, may, not could be one day, it is. So as we get that revelation of grace, we get that revelation that his grace in us is the power for us to live for him. It's, it's so wonderful. I, I could go on about this forever, but when we, when we realize that, that his grace is what empowers us to live for him. You know, we've got all these commands in the word of God, all these things that the Bible tells us to do, all these things that we're supposed to do. But the beauty of the power of God in us is that he doesn't just tell us to do it. He says, if you'll empty yourself, I'll fill you and I'll give you the power to do it for me. Not only will I tell you to do it, I'll help you do it. But we have to be willing to let him do it and to lay our own selves down and our own, our own priorities and our own strength. We have to lay it down so that he can be strong in us. God's grace is all sufficient. It is sufficient to protect you. It's sufficient to comfort you. It's sufficient to provide for you. It's sufficient to heal you. It's sufficient to uphold you. It's sufficient to sustain you. It is sufficient to forgive you. And it is ultimately sufficient to save you. Each and every one of us. And it doesn't even touch it's like a drop in the ocean him saving every soul that's ever been born and empowering every one of us is like a drop in the ocean of his grace and it's so wonderful and i'm, I'm just thankful for it today and uh, i'm going to ask you to stand as i close i'm going to ask the band to come and the the prayer team and i want to pray for you this morning you know the the great preacher charles spurgeon said one time he said oh that I could tell you, put into words, the grace of God. And then he immediately recanted and said, no, I take that back. He said, I'm glad that we can't put it into words. Because if we could put it into words, it would make it finite. And the grace of God is infinite. It's inexhaustible. You can never use up the grace of God in your life. And it's always there for you. He's just waiting for you to come and receive it and accept it. So we're going to pray. I don't want to ask you this morning if, if you want personal prayer. There's prayer leaders up here that are, that are more than willing to pray for you, would love to. Or if you want to just pray by yourself somewhere, come up and find a spot anywhere you want. But I'd like to pray for, for those of you that want to come. And, and if, if anything in this, in this message has, has touched your heart, you would like prayer. I'm going to pray for everybody that wants prayer for any of that right here in the center. I want you to come to the middle. You can actually start coming now if you want but I want to pray for you because I believe that the presence and the power of God is in this place to, to meet your need and to help you to walk with him according to his purposes and his will. And, I, and the, the three things that were mentioned, if you want to hunger for God, if you want to realign your priorities in your life and you want to set yourself up to be at that place where, uh, where you can receive his blessing and you can be passionate for him and you can grow in your passion for him, I want you to come forward, please. Or if you want the weight loss that we talked about, if you, want to ha- if you want God to help you to throw off that weight that hinders you, if you want to cast it aside and, and throw it as far as you can throw it, or if, 
if the sin that so easily entangles you, maybe that sin that easily entangles you has been rearing its ugly head in your life and you've just kind of, you've kind of just let it stay there. You've almost maybe given up and you're like, you know what, this is just gonna be part of who, who I am and I'm just gonna have to deal with it. I don't believe that for a second. We can run from that sin. When we just ask God to expose it, when he exposes that sin in our life, it is, it is to deal with it and to get rid of it. It's the only reason he exposes it. Or if you just wanna be weak, maybe you're too full of yourself. Maybe it's all about you and how much you love Jesus. And you've, you've found that you've lived most of your Christian life trying to prove how much you love him, to show him how much you love him. And you wanna just empty yourself of you so that he can fill you, so that he can be the power in your life. And that you would have that revelation of the grace of God, that God's grace is there not just to save you, not just to forgive you of your sins, but it's there to empower you and to give you everything that you need to live this life for him. I'm asking you to come forward today and we're gonna pray for you. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful God we serve. He's so good, so good. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If, if, you're, if you're feeling a tug at your heart and you want to come up, that's, that's the Lord talking to you. Don't be afraid to come up. Nobody's looking at anybody. Nobody cares. We are family in this place. We are all in this together. There is not a perfect person in this house and not even close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Okay, well, let's pray. Church, would you pray with me as we pray for all these people at this altar? Hallelujah. God, what a wonderful God you are. What a wonderful, loving, merciful God you are. Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you don't just tell us what to do. You don't just give us commands, but you come and live inside of us, that you empower us to live for you, God. Lord, when we were yet sinners, you came and died. You didn't wait for us to be perfect. You didn't wait for us to get it figured out. While we didn't deserve it, when we were at our lowest, you came for us, God. You are so wonderful, Jesus. God, would you help us to hunger for you? Lord, help us to be intentional, to set ourselves up, to put ourselves in a place where we are in the path to where we can receive the blessing that comes from being passionate and hungry for you. God, if there's things in our lives that are getting in the way that we are putting too much focus on and we're just kind of going through the motions, God, would you help us to be intentional to refocus, to realign, Lord, that the spirit man in us would be the one that guides us, that drives us. That we would not let our hungers drive us, but we would, we would determine where our hunger is going to go. I thank you today, Lord, that you give us that power. You give us that ability through your word and through your spirit. And we thank you for it today. God, I pray for, for those here that need to throw off the weight that is hindering them. The, the things in their life that may not be sin, but it's just getting in the way and getting, distracting them from you, God. That they would be able to focus on you and throw off as far as they could throw them, Lord, into the ocean, the things that hinder them. Help us, Lord, to trust you and to know that your way is better, that we can trust you, that when you ask us to, to give up something, it's not just to punish us, but it's because you want 
closer relationship with us. And God, for the sin that so easily entangles. Oh, Jesus. Lord, everybody in this room has a sin that easily entangles. There isn't a one of us that's exempt from that. God, would you expose that in our lives and deal with that in our lives and give us that spiritual stint in our heart that we would be able to live for the first time in a long time, Lord, that we would be able to see what life is like when we're not letting those things control us or having their way in our lives, God. Would you help us expose those things in our life, shine the light on our lives, Lord, that we can, that we can release it and trust you, God. I thank you that your forgiveness is here, that it is instant, that your word says that if we will confess our sins to you, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you for that today, Lord God. God, I pray that you would help us to be weak. Help us to be weak for you, Lord, that if we are, if we are about ourselves, Lord, if we are doing things in our own strength, God, even things that are, that are godly or church-like on the outside, but we're doing it in our own strength, Lord, help us to empty ourselves of us and to allow you to come in and fill us and empower us by your grace and by your love, Lord. Your grace is so sufficient. It's so sufficient. It's so much more than sufficient. It's everything. It's everything that we need to live. And we, we love you, Lord. I pray for a revelation of grace for everybody at this altar today, Lord. A fresh revelation of your love and your power in their lives. And we'll give you all the praise for it, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, God. God, thank you, Jesus. Do your work, Lord. Do your work in each life, each heart, at this altar, God, do your work in Jesus' name. We will trust you for it and we will give you all the glory and all the praise. Let us become less so that you can become more in our lives, Lord. For your glory, Jesus. For your glory, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to speak quickly to everybody at this altar. I want you to, to the, the word intentional. I mean, the Lord gave me that word like, like a tattoo on my forehead, that it's so important that we are intentional about what, we, about what God has for us in our lives and that we don't just allow ourselves to keep going through days trying and hoping for something to change, but being intentional and being real with ourselves and allowing the Lord to shine his light on us and being real and saying, this is an issue. This is an issue and I'm tired of it. And when we, when we let it be exposed, it, it opens the door for God to do such a miraculous work in us. And we've all been there. We all have gone through this. We all continue to go through this at times. And I just want to bless you guys. And I believe it for God's best for you. And I'm going to be praying for you and trusting God to do a marvelous work in your hearts. And I'm just so thankful for your, for your willingness to come up and your, your transparency and be willing to say, yes, I want, I want more of God. We should all hunger for more of God. But we have to set ourselves up so that he can pour into us. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Give these, give these guys a hand. Let's praise God with a hand clap. Huh?